Haggai. Well, today we'll read chapter 1 together. As you are finding that, some questions for you to consider this morning, as I've titled this sermon, Consider Your Ways. What is it that motivates you to do what you do every single day? What are your priorities throughout your day for daily living? What is the most important things to you? What are your days focused on? Specifically, the now. Is it my job? Is it my family? Is it my health? Is it my fun? Is it my you fill in the blank? Are your priorities in your life concentrated on material things? Or on spiritual life in Jesus Christ? Do you follow after Jesus Christ only so that you could further your own priorities? Does the things of this world distract you from what God has commanded you to do? Have you lost sight of God's mission that He gives to His people? Has your life become mundane and futile and self-focused? Church, listen to me. What you do today matters in life. What you do today and tomorrow, every moment matters in life. And that is what should be upon our minds and our hearts daily The Word of God tells us to love Him. But if we love God, it says the evidence is that we will obey Him. And what we come to a text today is the lack of obedience. And I've prayed all week long that you would realize that if you love God, you cannot obey Him. You might say, well, that contradicts if I love God, I'll obey Him. Let me say that again. You cannot obey God. The key word is you. The Holy Spirit can make you obedient to the Lord God Almighty and His Word. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for His people. Therefore, the scriptural truth that we look at this morning from the book of Haggai is this. The Spirit of God motivates His people to live for the glory of God. Are you living for the glory of God today in every waking moment? That's our prayer. You must know that the Spirit of God motivates His people to live for the glory of God and that you would join me today, that we would pray that the Holy Spirit would do exactly that in the people of God's hearts and motivate us to humility and that we would be motivated to obey, and that we would be moved to do service for our King Jesus. Look with me at Haggai chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 15, and that's where we will focus our time this morning. It says this in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then a word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. 
Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the, new, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. The glorious, authoritative Word of God. Again, may the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of the Word. If you're following the notes or if you're looking as we are spending our time in this chapter, I have two points and two categories of people. And the question is, which one best describes you? Unfaithful, inactive, complacent living or faithful, active, obedient living. There are two descriptions of people here in the book of Haggai describing the nation of Israel, the people of God. And it would be helpful for you this week and for the next two weeks to read the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, Malachi, Zechariah, and Haggai. You're like, that's a lot. But as I read through those on Tuesday, I threw away my notes that I had been preparing for, to preach. As the Lord directed these things and as I read through these books and saw this, it is amazing how God, as we were singing, He is faithful. He's faithful to His people and He's faithful to His word. And He always keeps His promises And this is surrounded about the fact that God made a covenant with his people. And so read those books, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, and Malachi. Because you will then understand that as Haggai comes on the scene, as Zechariah, as we look at, comes on the scene, why the message that God gives them for the people is there then as well it is for today and God's people now. The people of Israel had been in captivity in Persia and God moved and they were allowed to come back to Jerusalem 
at least 50,000 of them approximately. In the book of Ezra, it describes that they, they were able to come back and begin rebuilding the temple, the house of God, which is what Haggai is addressing uh, in this, this prophecy. The book of Nehemiah then also he comes back to Jerusalem and not only is the temple that's been rebuilt at this point, but he helps rebuild and rally the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that God's city would be rebuilt. The problem is, is in both Ezra and Nehemiah, you see that there is the problem of pride, dissension, greed, and worldliness, complacent living that happens among the people of God And very many times throughout the Old Testament, the people of God see the hand of God at work. And then what happens is a short time after that, they go back to worshiping idols. They go back to a mundane life that is filled with complacency and is all about themselves and greed. And there's no wonder that there is dissension and disunity among God's people. God told them that this would happen if they did not seek him and be obedient to him and uphold the covenant that he made with them. The people came back. They began the rebuilding of the temple for a few years, and then they stopped. And 16 years go by, and that's when Haggai is sent by God, a person we know very little about other than his name means festive. And he brings a message to the complacent, unfaithful, inactive people of God, that the temple of God was to be a priority among the people of God. Not that God needed a house to dwell in, as he told King David. When King David brought up the ideal of a temple, God almost brushed it off. Solomon, his son, would be the one to build the temple. But the temple was a sign of God's presence with his people, And therefore, as his people returned to the land, his command to rebuild the temple was assigned to all the nations around them that God is with his people. And when you come to this point in Haggai, it's almost a point at which God's people had no longer a desire to even worship the Lord their God. To hear the body of Christ a few moments ago singing, Praise to the Lord Almighty, the King of creation. To hear you voice those words to song. To worship the Lord God Almighty. To think that that would be something that would cease among God's people is a tragedy. And that is where we find the people of God when Haggai comes on the scene. If you look at verse 1 of the chapter, this date corresponds exactly with Ezra chapter 4, verse 24. Many times people want to question and tear apart the word of God and say that it doesn't uh, work together. And God's word is perfect. And it is without error. It, It has no error. It is always in unity throughout from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation And here we see this date in the second year of Darius the king in the sixth month. On the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai. Haggai is mentioned in Ezra that he comes on the scene in the midst of this lazy, inactive, unfruitful, unfaithful time. After 16 years of God's people doing nothing. And the temple of God lying in ruins. Sluggish, 
lifeless indolence among the people of God. And I wonder if you, as a follower of Christ, have ever experienced that in your life. Haggai says, thus says the Lord. Always remember, as we've been studying the minor prophets, they say, thus says the Lord, because they're not making up something. Haggai has not been sitting back watching the people be unfaithful and say, i got to say something. No. God fills the mouths of his prophets. And so he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The people were using excuses to not rebuild the temple. The people were, were claiming that it was not the right time And so they were postponing the work until a later time. Maybe they thought the next generation will rebuild the temple. The problem, though, is the accusation against them in verse 4. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? You see... The people were spending 16 years amassing their finances to rebuild their homes, to make them fancy places, just as a description of this paneled homes. I mean, imagine taking a day a home and putting the best figures and the best paint and the best floorings and all the best things inside and out of the home. That's what they did for 16 years. Imagine being motivated for the next 16 years of your life to do everything you can to make your house better. Imagine 16 years of your life devoted to putting the best things in your home so that you can enjoy it. This is what they were doing. This reference of paneled houses is a reference to 1 Kings chapter 5 that King Solomon, when he built his palace, that it was paneled with cedar inside and out, that it had pillars, these, had these canopies, that his palace was an amazing place. And God says to the people of Israel, who while his temple lies in ruins, you are building your paneled homes while the Lord's house lies in ruins. And so twice he says, the first one is verse 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Think long and deeply on why you are doing what you are doing. Ponder what it is that is motivating you to do today what you are doing. Think about your actions. Think about your thoughts. Think about your words. What are the results of those things? Think about seeking after prosperity as these people were doing. Will it bring about what God desires to have in your life? Essentially, he says, saying through Haggai to these people, are your homes more important than being obedient to God? Again, God said he doesn't need a temple. This is not about the fact that Jerusalem's temple needs to be there. God doesn't need it because he does not dwell in buildings. He was bringing them to this point of obedience. 
He told them simply, rebuild the temple. He brought them back. He gave them the, what they needed to rebuild it, and they did it for a time, and they stopped being obedient to him. How often do we hear God's word upon our hearts to be obedient to him, and we follow for a while, and then we cease to do the work that God has called us to do because priorities in our life are more important to obe- than obedience to the Lord God Almighty. If you look at verse 6, <clears throat> he says, You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. You look at this like, wow. Doesn't sound a very good thing going on there. The farmers have prepared the land. They sowed the seed. They watered the ground. They fertilized. And it says, yet their profit, which was supposed to be great, was little. They eat and they drink. And they are not satisfied. And they are not filled. They have clothes and are not warm. He says, you put your money in bags with holes. Have you ever wondered, wait a minute, I just got paid. Where did all the money go? Have you ever thought that before? Am I putting my money into a bag with holes? It's gone. And yeah, there's, there's things and bills, and, but it's like, wait, where was that extra? And this is this description of the people of God who were supposed to have their fill of enjoyment and satisfaction in God, and yet they were seeking after paneled houses and prosperity and material things to find their satisfaction. And it says, they had their eat and their drink, and yet they were not filled. I pray that that is never the description of your life. I pray that you eat and you drink on the word of God, and you are satisfied, and you are filled with the joy of God. I pray that for you, and I would ask that you would pray that for me. Verse 7, he repeats himself. Thus says the Lord of hosts in verse 7. Consider what? Consider your ways. He says this in light of what we just read there in verse 6 and what we see in the following verses. God did not bless their crops because they desired personal comfort over obedience. Their best efforts to provide for themselves and their families led to disappointment and dissatisfaction. The key is their work. The the key words are their efforts. Your work, your efforts. You see, when we, like they, rely on our own efforts, our own works, we do not give any regard for the fact that everything comes from God. And we do not begin to acknowledge and praise Him for being the the giver of good gifts, the one who has granted everything that you have because He is great and mighty and glorious. 
And the people of God were no longer giving praise and thanks and honor and glory to God as the one who is the provider. He says, consider your ways. Consider the work that you think is so important today that you have to get done by 5 o'clock or before you go to bed. If not, your things, your satisfaction, your family, your fun is not going to be taken care of. That's where they found themselves in. And therefore they were disobedient to the Lord God Almighty. Turn to the far left to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, you have a chapter in which God says, according to his covenant that he made with his people, that if you are obedient to him, he will bless you, speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says, if you disobey me, then you will be cursed. It's a fascinating chapter. He says it before they go into the promised land. And when you read the nation's of Israel's history throughout the rest of the Old Testament, God fulfills Deuteronomy chapter 28 over and over and over, word for word. He blesses his people in their obedience to him, and he curses his people when they disobey, and they rebel, and they are stiff-necked, and they reject him. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15. After he says all these blessings for the obedience, he says, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Now, why do I read this? Because you go back to Haggai. He just told them about their crops. He just told them about their lack of satisfaction. We'll read verses 9 through 11 to see exactly what he says here in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. Hundreds of years before is fulfilled in Haggai's day. Because if you kept reading on, he said, Cursed be your field, curse your basket, your kneading bowl, curse the fruit of your womb, curse the ground that you're on, you curse the increase of your herds and your flocks, and on and on. And he says, verse 20, The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do. In all that you undertake to do? He's going to curse you, he says, until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. You see, church, when we disobey God, we are being evil. Because sin is evil. Sin is wickedness. And therefore, when we see the cute little child who is told, no, don't do that, and they're staring at the, child, at the parents and they're just doing it, and everyone in the room goes, oh, they're so cute. No, they're evil. <laughs> Every one of us. It's, it is hard because in our humanity, we want to take our disobedience and not rise it to the level of wickedness. But yet scripture tells us all disobedience is sinfulness. And all sinfulness is wickedness. So we must pray, Holy Spirit, give us the realization today that in every way and in any way that we disobey you, we are being wicked and evil and sinful. It's a hard prayer to pray, isn't it? Because we don't want to deal with conviction. We don't want to deal with the reality. 
Turn back to Haggai and see what it says here. Actually, in verse, we'll read verses 8. It says, Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. So he tells them again, do what you were supposed to do. Rebuild the temple. And then it goes on in verse 9 through 11, fulfilling Deuteronomy 28. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills. That's Deuteronomy 28. And on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Church, let Haggai and Deuteronomy be a warning to us today that God always fulfills his words, that we cannot make him change his mind. And the word of God says he never will change his mind because he never changes. And so we must pray that the Holy Spirit would make us a humbled, honest, repentant people today so that we would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, respond to the Lord God through faith in Him and be obedient to what He's called us to do. The good news about verses 1 through 11 here, about these unfaithful, inactive, complacent people, is that they changed. The people changed. I don't know if you heard that when we read it, that chapter at the beginning here. Look at verses 12 through 15. They changed to be faithful and to be active and to be obedient in their lives. There is a dramatic change that happens when you read Ezra and you read Haggai. When you read Nehemiah and you read these texts, there is a drastic change that happens in their life. For 16 years of disobedience and then to change and take up the work that God has called them to do was not something that one day they all just decided, man, I've been a bad person. I have been disobedient. By golly, I'm going to start doing the work today. It doesn't happen that way. God's word is clear. We don't just in ourselves decide to be obedient. It is a work of the Holy Spirit that happens in the life of the believer Look at verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with, does it say some? It says, with all the remnant of the people, again, about 50,000 people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. You might want to highlight that, underline that, circle, circle that. It says, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. Again, if you are looking for scripture that tells you that God is the one who gives his word to the prophets, chapter 1, verse 12. As the Lord their God had sent him, and the people what? They feared the Lord. There was a holy reverence that came upon the people of God after 16 years being stick-necked, turning their back against God and doing their own thing. The people heard the message, consider your ways. They heard the Lord God speak through Haggai and say, consider your ways, consider your life. And what happened was that they were convicted 
Their hearts were convicted. They examined their lives. They pondered their ways. They saw that God had cursed them just as he had promised to do in Deuteronomy 28 because of their disobedience. And it says that they changed. They turned from their wicked ways. They had holy reverence and fear of God, and they obeyed. And we must take note that the conviction that happened then happens now. The conviction upon the hearts of the nation of Israel then happens upon the hearts of his people today. Turn to John chapter 16 to hear the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He says this when he was speaking of leaving after his death, burial, and resurrection. And he told the disciples that he would be leaving. And if he doesn't leave, the one that's supposed to come would not come. And the one he's speaking of is the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 10, it says, And when he comes, that he is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The work of conviction upon the hearts of mankind is the work of the Holy Spirit. You can try all you want to make a person feel bad. You can have a list of all the ways that a person has wronged you. You can do everything you can to try to guilt them, to try to make them feel down so that they would maybe even ask for forgiveness. You can try to make them wallow in their mire of shame and guilt. And apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no conviction to have any change to be obedient to a holy God. We must, we must be a people today that will pray constantly for the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. We must be a people that will pray daily that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction upon the lost that walk around us every day. We must be a people who are praying that the Lord would continue to do his work according to his will by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you have ever been convicted of your sin against God, you are blessed because you understand without the righteousness of Christ, you are in spiritual poverty and you are facing death and eternal damnation and the wrath of God upon you in hell. So know that if you've been convicted of your sins before a holy God, you are blessed. The Holy Spirit does that. You do not do that. Without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, no one is changed. No one is saved. No one is set free from sin. 
If there is no conviction by the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit doesn't work, you don't just one day living in your sinfulness and wickedness going along and go, oh my, you know what? I am a bad person. Jesus, I believe in you. It does not happen according to Scripture. The Holy Spirit convicts. Ephesians 2 says the Holy Spirit gives the gift of faith so that we would believe. And if we would dare have any pridefulness in the fact that, oh, I did this, then we are being just like the people of Israel. Stiff-necked, stubborn, taking all the glory for ourselves that we did something to save ourselves and we never did. Salvation belongs to the Lord God Almighty. We must see and know that the conviction of sin is actually God's grace upon us. God's grace upon us is the conviction of our hearts that we've sinned against a holy God. And here is something here in verse 13 that God gives those people then which he gives us now when you are convicted of your sin and when there is trouble upon your heart because of where you find yourself during that day. He says to the people in verse 13, I am with you, declares who? The Lord. I am with you. What a great comfort when we are convicted of our guilt and our sinfulness and we say, woe is me, I am a sinner, we can rest and take comfort and peace that God is with us. This comfort that he gives to them in verse 13 stirs the people of God with hope to continue to do now what he's called them to do so many years ago, to rebuild. It's just like in Exodus chapter 35 that God, it says that God stirred up the hearts of the people to do the work for the tabernacle and he gave them the skills. It says the Holy Spirit of God did that. In Ezra chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, Haggai's message, it says, convicted the hearts of the people to get up and rebuild. It is the Holy Spirit of God that convicts the heart. Verse 14 here of Haggai 1, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, and all the people. Who stirred up the hearts of these people? Who? The Lord did. Did Haggai do it? Did Zerubbabel do it? Did the high priest do it? No. The Lord stirred their hearts. That's why we pray daily, Lord, stir our hearts to do your work that you have us to do. That you would be glorified in everything that we say, in everything we do, every moment of our day. That should be our prayer. And it says there in verse 14, they came and worked in the house of the Lord of hosts their God. They went back doing the work. That's why you need to go back and read Ezra and see how they had this break and Haggai comes to the scene and then they rebuild the temple and they do what they were told to do. Much like in Nehemiah when they're rebuilding the wall and there's fear and the enemy is coming after them and the people don't want to do the work and Nehemiah continued to show them the hand of God and they did what was right and rebuilt the wall in 52 days. We must be a people, church, that relies completely on the power of the Holy Spirit to do anything for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is responsible for the conviction. The Holy Spirit is responsible for giving us faith. 
The Holy Spirit is responsible for growing us spiritually. This year, maybe some of you, because it's the beginning of the year, you always have goals. And maybe your prayers are, Lord, grow me this year. I know I, I slacked off last year. 2022 was a bad year. 2023 is going to be the year that I serve you, Lord. And the problem is, it's a wonderful thing we should pray for. The problem is, is we set it out that we are going to do something for God that he's not in. How many times have you stormed a hill for the Lord God Almighty and he's like, I didn't call you to go to that hill. I never sent you to that hill. I told you to do this and be faithful and to be obedient. But because you did your own thing and you sought out your own way, you went down a road of trouble and misery and you wonder, why am I in these shoes today? And the Lord is calling you to faithfully pray daily, to seek his word, to be in fellowship in the body of Christ to ask the Lord to show you and to fill you and empower you that you would serve him because that's what he's called you to do. But most importantly, that he would make you humble. Because if God humbles us, we will not seek our pride. We will not seek ourself. We will not seek what we want for life. We will seek what he desires for our life. Isaiah was convicted when he saw the holiness of God. King David said in the Psalms that his soul wasted away when he was silent about his sins. Simon Peter was with the Lord in the boat. And when he saw Jesus do a miraculous work with the fish, he said, Lord, go away from me for I am a sinful man Jonah preached to the city of Nineveh, repent or be destroyed. And a whole city was changed and repentant in sackcloth and ashes. Ezekiel was told in chapter 37, we read, God says, preach to this valley of dead bones. And he says, how would that even happen? And God caused breath to go into these bones and to give flesh and life Ezekiel didn't. He was only obedient to prophesy and speak the truth of God. And God breathed the life and raised up those bones. Read Ezekiel 37 this week. Just as all of these people were convicted. And the Holy Spirit did the conviction. May the Lord convict our hearts like the tax collector who said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let us pray daily and ask daily that the Holy Spirit would do what only He can do. And that's to apply the Word of God in our life, to apply the preaching of the Word. My responsibility is to preach the Word of God to you. Your responsibility is to listen. But if you think today you go out that door, I'm going to go do this and consider my ways today, you will not, apart from the Holy Spirit, empowering you to do so. So your prayer should be, Holy Spirit, change my life. Holy Spirit, fill me up today. Holy Spirit, empower me to do the work that you've called me to do because I do love you and I want to be obedient to you. Holy Spirit, do that in me. 
Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Jesus said this to his disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, the work for the believers today is not to rebuild a building. The work today for the believers is not to create something that's going to cause God to do anything. The work that you as a follower of Christ is to do today is what I just read to you. It's not to just attend a church. It's not just to go, give to missions or go on missions or be in this or that. The work that you and I as a follower of Christ have been commanded to do, go and make disciples of all the nations. That means you, not me, you and me, to herald the gospel to the ends of the earth by every mean that we, means that we have that the Holy Spirit would convict the hearts of those who see Jesus Christ crucified for their sins and risen again, and they would be given the faith to believe. Your work is to do the work of discipleship so that we would see people come to faith. We would see people going to the waters of baptism every single week when we gather, that we would be driven to go to those who are lost, that you have on a list, that you pray for every single day who live in this city and in this world and without God, and you say, Lord, just send something to someone to them. And he's like, I'm sending you. Open your mouth. Love them. Tell them the gospel. And I always have to remind you because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget. The gospel that you are called as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you've been saved by, is the same and never changes. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact is this. The good news, and you might say it's not good news, is that we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And in our sins, the punishment is death. But God, Ephesians chapter 2, sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross in the place for his people. And he bore the sins of his people and his blood was shed. And as he hung on the cross, God the Father poured out the wrath that was meant for your sins upon the Son because of his great love for you. And Jesus Christ died. And he was wrapped and he was placed in a grave. He was dead. And on the third day, from death to life, Jesus arose, conquering Satan, conquering sin, conquering death. And they saw him and they talked with him and they ate with him. And Jesus ascended to heaven where he is at right now. He's ruling and reigning over his kingdom right now. 
And he is going to return one day in the future and there will be a day of judgment. And for all who are far off from him, all who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, all who have never been convicted by the Holy Spirit to believe in him and their their sinners will be cast into hell for eternity. And all who have been convicted of sin and been given faith to believe and are forgiven by Jesus Christ and His blood will enter into the joy of their Master forever. Praise the Lord. If you believe that and you've been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, your work, young and old, so every student in this room, every child in this room, if you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have work to do, not your schoolwork. People are like, wait, don't tell my kids not to do their schoolwork. No, you need to be faithful and do your schoolwork because you're being an example of Christ calling you to obedience. But children, teenagers, you are called to do the work that Christ has called you to do. Not just, well, no, when I get older, I'll make disciples. No, you tell people now. All of you who are in your last days, maybe 2023 is your last year of life. Maybe this week is your last year of life. And you don't even have to be in your last, in, be old. You could be young in this room and your last week may be this week. Your time is running out, church. What are you going to do? Just be complacent. Just waiting for Jesus to come back. I'll, that'll be a great day. I got my own stuff I'm doing right now. This is important. <clears throat> or, you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to convict you. So to bring this to close, how does Haggai end? Chapter 2 tells us that they rose up and began to rebuild the temple. Just like Ezra describes. But one of the problems they had, and this is the last encouragement, warning, and challenge to you as Christians... They looked at the temple that they were rebuilding and got discouraged because some of them had returned, who had returned with them had seen the temple Solomon built in all of its glory. And they're like, this shack is what we're building now for the Lord? <clears throat> and Haggai tells them the word of the Lord. Do not look to the past or to someone else or something else and make this comparison Never compare the work that God is doing now with work that he's doing over that that church or work he's doing in that saint and that person over here. Don't ever compare the work that he's doing among the local body of Christ now with something else. Today, approximately 1 billion Christians attend churches that are over 350 people in attendance. These are churches that are thousands sometimes of people. And today, approximately 1 billion Christians attend churches that are 350 people or less. Stop measuring the megachurch or the small church and their resources and our resources. Stop measuring that Christian who you hold in great esteem and say, oh, those gifts, I don't have those spiritual gifts. I don't have these abilities. I don't do those things. And tune into the Word of God and see what God has called you to do, to be faithful to Him and pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you and equip you to do the work now, today. Because tomorrow may not be here. 
the questions on there, on the screen, to consider your ways. Which of the following best describes my life today? Unfaithful, inactive, complacent? Or is it faithful and active and obedient to the Lord my God? The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray with the psalmist, not to us, O Lord, but to your glory. Not to us, O Lord, but to your glory is our prayer. And Lord, we know this morning that we cannot obey you, we cannot love you, we cannot please you, we cannot do anything for your glory apart from your Spirit working in us. Holy Spirit, we pray, we ask, we beg, we plead that you would fill us, that you would move us and cause us to be obedient to your word. And that we would take joy even amidst the troubles that we face in Jesus Christ. Father, for any in this room who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and have come into this place today far off from you, with no regard, with no faith, I pray that today you would convict their hearts, you would give them the faith to believe, that you would save them from their sins and from death, and you would adopt them and make them your own, and you would give them the joy that surpasses all understanding, and you would set out for them a great inheritance in heaven that awaits them. Father, may today, the rest of even this day, in everything we say and everything we do, give glory to you, Jesus. Amen.